0: Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast, or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 138, and with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to bring on guests to talk about overall wellness and vegan entrepreneurship topics because this is so much more than food. It truly is a lifestyle. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com, and also so don't forget to let me know what you think of this episode. Come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is Brown Vegan. So, yes, I have another conversation for you. I have Larisha on the show. She and her husband run their brand and business, which is called Make It Dairy Free. You guys probably know them from Instagram and YouTube. Incredible food photography, great video production. Absolutely love this conversation with her. She was very open about her experience as far as her journey with veganism, why she and her family decided to be vegan, raising her vegan kids. We talk about recipe writing, their workflow when it comes to video production, blogging, recipe development. And we also talk about the, the- kitchen that's in the YouTube videos. I thought that that was a real kitchen, but it's actually their video production studio. And of course we talk about why they decided to build a studio in their home. We also chat about tips on how to start and grow your own vegan YouTube channel, chat a little about social media and how she and her husband are making money in their business. I know that a lot of times when you see people online and they You know, they have an online presence, an online business, and you're not exactly sure how the money is coming in. I absolutely love how Larisha breaks that down for us in this conversation. Another gem that she drops is the importance of charging your worth when you're working with brands, which is something I'm passionate about. As always, you can get the show notes and everything mentioned in this conversation at brownvegan.com under episode 138. And also, don't forget to follow Larisha and Andrew. Their handle at on Instagram is make it dairy free as well as com for all of the amazing recipes and tips. So yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation.
1: I feel like nobody actually uses this reason for going vegan. So we first delved into being vegan or like attempting to be vegan budget reasons. And I feel like everybody always says, you know, like it's for the for health or animals or you know something like that, but I realized that when, you know, like I was making, I would, I was meal planning and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, rice and beans are really cheap and we needed cheap meals. We were trying to stick to a budget, you know, to, you know, do certain things. And I realized that adding in two or three meals a week that were vegan were actually helping our budget. So that was like the first like dive into, okay, like I, I might be able to go vegan. You know, we have like two, three, we're up to like four meals a week now where, you know, we're eating vegan meals. And I think that that also helps because a lot of people assume veganism is so expensive. And I'm talking, I'm here talking about, you know, like we were, it was helping with our budget. So I think that that kind of blows people's minds. But then I started realizing that like, then it was for the animals. Like, okay, I don't want to keep eating meat. I was starting to, you know, we would get to like the two or three times a week that we were not eating vegan. And I was like, I don't like touching raw meat anymore. And so it was kind of like, okay, something has to give here. And then we watched What the Health. And it was kind of all over after that.
0: That got a lot of people. What the hell? Okay. We have to talk about the budgeting thing because that's so true. (laughs) Because I can see it from both angles though. I can see how a lot of people who aren't necessarily vegan and they don't cook while they would think it's expensive because they're probably buying a lot of the convenient, you know, vegan products. And those are not affordable for a lot of people, especially if you have a family. So I understand that perspective. And I also understand it being, of course, less expensive because, you know, like you said, you're eating beans and rice and spinach and things like that. It sounds like you were somebody who, who cooked before you went vegan. So were you coming up with recipes at that time and didn't even think about it? Or did you have some resources that you were able to find online to make the, you know, the adjustments to your budget a little easier? Like, how did that even look?
1: Yeah. So, You know, when I was when I was in college, it was kind of when I first started like playing around with recipes. Like growing up, it was very much I lived in a household where everything was came out of a box or a TV dinner or some type of, you know, skillet meal that was like hamburger helper or something like that. But I realized like I liked to cook. I always liked to cook when I was little. So when I was in college and I was on my own, I just delved into that more. But at the same time, I was also in college. So how much can you, like, I can't, you know, buy these expensive meals all the time. So it was kind of like, I started being creative then. And then, you know, we had, when Andrew and I got together, we kind of went like lapsed back basically. And we had, you know, we were both working full time and we didn't have kids and we had a very convenient lifestyle. So we were picking up fast food. And then when we had our first daughter, I'm like, well, I I don't want to feed her, you know, like this box food or we're not giving her McDonald's or, you know, stuff like that. So it was kind of getting back into that creative mind of like, okay, we're going to do baby led weaning with her. And so we're giving her foods that are healthier, sweet potatoes, avocados, stuff like that. And so I got to a point where we were being much more creative with creating meals from scratch. And so you know, when we did start going vegan, it was kind of like I already had an idea of just like a a ton of recipes already. Like, okay, I can switch this or that. And that made it a lot easier.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I love that. So, it sounds like your daughter, do- your oldest daughter in so many ways was, I guess, born into the lifestyle <laughs> by accident kind of thing. Like I don't it doesn't sound like it was very intentional at that time. It was more so like you said for your budget. So, how is that now as a family though? Because I know you have two kids now. Are your both of your children vegan or plant-based? Like how does that look for you?
1: Yeah, so when we first went vegan, we were actually, Andrew and I were away. And so someone was staying with our kids, and we had started a vegan challenge the day that we went away. I, I don't necessarily recommend that unless what? you're like on, <laughs> on top of your game. But so we didn't want them, the person that was taking care of them, to have to try to navigate something that we weren't even sure how to navigate. So the day that we got back is the day that our kids went vegan. So it was like three days after us. And we just explained, Yeah, so it's been almost three years. So the oldest was five and then the youngest was two. Mm -hmm. But again, like since we had already been incorporating some of these meals for the last two years for budget reasons, they were kind of already like, like it wasn't that big of a deal to them, except when I think the biggest struggle of having vegan, not having vegan kids, but like transitioning them is when we went to parties
0: and mm-hmm.
1: they were used to like, it was a treat for them to be able to have fast food. Like we didn't have it very often, but there were times where we'd stop at Burger King or we'd stop at Chick-fil-A or something like that. And so those trying to navigate that aspect of it were probably the two hardest things. But other than that, like they're pretty they pretty much go with the flow of things so it wasn't that hard
0: yes because they were so young so that i think yeah. that made a huge difference just having Absolutely. them to be so young doing it so let's talk about the family and the you know the party aspect because i know that when my children were younger i told because i had like youtube and this podcast i told people that you know when they're with me they eat plant based because that's what i'm cooking right. but when they go with my parents or they go to a party or if somebody gives them something that's not vegan at school, I don't make a big deal about it. And at first I used to want to make a big deal about it. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, everybody needs to be vegan. Everybody needs to do this. I don't care. You know, it was like my way at a highway kind of attitude. But then I started to really loosen up on it because honestly, the world isn't really built for, <laughs> for us to make this easy <laughs> at all. I mean, things are a lot easier than they used to be, but you know, some, a lot of people aren't very really understanding of how this looks. And also I didn't really want my kids to have hangups about food. Cause right. I was afraid that if I deprive, maybe isn't the right word, but if I made them feel like something was wrong with them making that decision that they would probably gorge on food later when I wasn't mm-hmm. around kind of thing. So I just had like a, now that they're older, I've realized that it was probably a healthier balance overall. At the time, I kind of struggled with it. So I'm just curious, how does this look for your family as far as, you know, going on trips and things like that when they're not with you or just overall, like parties and things?
1: Yeah. So so it's been almost three years since we've been vegan. and. 18 months of that has been in a pandemic. So, (laughs) yes. So, you know, like it's not like they, I, I feel like we've lucked out a little bit in, I guess, the transition overall because they haven't been with a lot of people, right? Like we do homeschool. We homeschooled before it was, you know, the thing to homeschool because of the pandemic. But so I think that they're not in school, they're here with us. So I think that that helps school wise. And then as far as, you know, Them being with other people, we've kind of lucked out because they haven't been. But before we were in a pandemic, the only person that, you know, that they were around when we weren't around were Andrew's parents, because they live close, my family doesn't, and a couple of friends. And my friends were very willing to like, okay, like what snacks do I need to have on hand? And you know, when they come over for like a play date or something, and then his parents were always like, his mom is not, his parents aren't vegan, but they're very plant-based most of the time. And so they already also knew like, okay, they can have this. They can't have this. They would send us pictures if like they were away, like, can the girls have this? So they were very on board with what we were trying to do for them, so we haven't necessarily came into any situations besides the parties where people haven't respected what we're doing, which I think is amazing because I know a lot of people don't have that. As far as the parties go, we went to one right after, you know, we transitioned to being vegan and the kids couldn't have most of the food besides like the fruit platter and like some veggies, and I felt horrible and I said, yeah. "Okay, this is never going to happen again. I'm creative enough to figure this out. And so as far as parties go, what we started doing is I would send a message to whoever the host is and say, Hey, I'm not expecting you to cater to us because I I think that's wrong, right? Like I, I don't need you to have like this whole spread of food for three people coming. You know what I mean? So what are you having? And then explain like, okay, well, we're vegan. So I'm just going to bring something similar for my kids to not feel left out. It has never been a problem. So if they're having pizza and cupcakes, I bring pizza and cupcakes. Pretty much everywhere you go has a microwave. So you you heat up the pizza and then they have microwave. I mean, then they have their cupcakes. So it's never like, I just made sure that they've never felt left out when it comes to that.
0: Yes, I love that approach. I mean, I feel like a lot of people probably at th- these days are understanding because kids have food allergies and they have to make adju- adjustments for that anyway. So, you you know, your kids eating food that looks like everyone else, but may not be, of course, the same. Nobody's going to notice because it looks the same as what everybody else is eating, especially, like you said, cupcakes and pizza and things like that. Right. Which, you know, some of the things that people don't think we eat.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: But I love it. When you mention as far as creativity with food, first of all, I think that, I don't know, I want to say that Jasmine is the reason I know who you guys, because she loves you guys. Jasmine, uh, Diary of a Mad Black Vegan. She is probably, I think she (laughs) is the first person to put me onto you guys. And when I went to your page, I was like, oh my God, the food looks amazing. But you know what I like about your food? I feel like the recipes, you have some that are a little more, you know, a little more work to them. But overall, it's very, very easy. And I love the new series that you guys have on your YouTube channel as far as having like, you know, the quick dinners type of thing, because I think that's a struggle for a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. your motivation as far as getting started with recipe writing and all of that good stuff, like why did you decide that that was going to be something that you and Andrew wanted to get into?
1: So it's funny. So I had a parenting blog before this site, and I always leaned towards the recipe part of it. Like, I would do, you know, a, a recipe and then I would do a parenting post, and then I would do like three recipes, and then I would do a parenting post. And then it was, it just seemed like it was, I was leaning more to only doing recipes, and then the parenting post might have happened like once a month. And the parenting posts were what we're doing well. And the recipe posts were like, some would hit, some would not. And I'm like, it's because people don't, they're not here for a recipe. They're here for parenting advice. So (laughs) at that point, I realized that we needed to figure something out. And at that time, Andrew had also come on board to do the photography. And so I was like, okay, we need a recipe site because that's where the passion is. And this is no longer working. And so that's kind of how the site came about. And then it wasn't supposed to be a vegan site, but the creativity is, I wanted people to know that veganism was accessible once we decided that it was going to be a vegan site. Not only was it accessible, but it didn't have to take five hours to make things. And don't get me wrong. We have plenty of recipes on the site that take five hours like brioche or something like that. But For the most part, I wanted people to realize that they can still have all of their favorite comfort foods, like mac and cheese, without it taking forever. You know, I I approached it from the standpoint of how I feel as somebody creating. I have kids. I'm trying to run a business. We're all busy, whether it's, you know, even people that don't have kids. You know, there's always something in this society that we're in now that is making things need to be quicker. So you know, I can we do 20-minute meals? Can we make things accessible for people that can only shop at Aldi and are on a budget and they don't have, you know, $500 to spend on organic food and all the processed vegan products to make their life easier? Like, how can we make this easy but friendly and still familiar? I guess. Absolutely. You
0: and you have achieved that. Absolutely. I truly believe that. I feel like the way your approach is is very similar to how I look at it. There's going to be some variety. Like, I don't think it has to be a one size fits all in this lifestyle. Like, you're going to have the easy recipes. You're going to have the more labor-intensive recipes. But that's just how life is overall. It's not even just a vegan thing, you know? So right. I love the variety that you guys offer because that's really good. It's so, it's so approachable. The food just looks amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so amazing. <laughs> I want to talk about some of your, like, I guess your favorite recipes or your favorite things to cook as a family? Like, what do you guys, what are you enjoying lately?
1: So if you were, if Andrew were here and you were to ask him, Andrew is, and it's funny because most people assume, I think that it's the opposite way, but Andrew is the baker. So if you ask him if he can figure out how to veganize a cookie or a cake or something sweet, that man will figure it out without (laughs) a doubt. (laughs) <laughs> Whereas I and I think that it's the mindset of until this pandemic happened, he was working outside of the house that I needed quick dinners. Like, you know, by the time we were done homeschooling and taking field trips and I'm trying to run a business that I I need something that is still quick and I can get on the table and is healthy for my kids. And so my approach has always been like, okay, I'll create the savory things and I'll just leave you with the sweet things. And so Right now, I think that we're trying to do a lot of things that are still like quick and simple dinners, because there's so many ideas that we have that we still haven't even like scratched the surface of what we want to do. And then he's just trying to, his inspiration is anything sweet. So.
0: (laughs) Oh, the sweet tooth. Okay, I like how you said that. You feel like there's so much more to be done because there is. I mean, there's just the possibilities truly are endless when it comes to like you know, got you guys putting together all the recipes and things like that. I really want to talk about the workflow because man, it's just, I know, I mean, I'm not even probably operating on the same level as you guys, as far as, you know, as far as all of the food photography and everything else that you do in the video content and all of that. So I want to know, like, what does that look like for you guys? As far as, do you batch your content as far, you know, putting, recording several videos at a time? Do you like, what are you doing to get your blog post done, your photography, or are you, please tell me that you guys. Um, or like me kind of all over the place because it'll make me feel better.
1: <laughs> okay, so I can tell you that I am all over the place. <laughs> I can tell you the reason we are so successful is because Andrew is not all over the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you got the best of both worlds. It sounds like you're probably like the, the creative free spirit. He's like, listen, do yes. we got to have this lined up so we can actually get this done.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, So I think it's important first, for people to realize that it hasn't always looked the way that it looks right now. It looks like we are just churning out content like nobody's business. But for a while, for a long time, we were shooting whenever we could. There are nights that we were shooting at 10 and 11 o'clock at night. There are nights that our studio we have a studio in our house and it's next to our kids room so there are nights where we were trying to shoot a video and we woke our kids up because we were laughing if you've ever seen our youtube videos (laughs) and so they would come and sleep on the studio floor because they they wanted to be around or whatever so it has not always looked like we had it together if somebody was like what is happening here but we kept pushing we you know kept being in an uncomfortable space where you know we wanted more and we knew that we could push to get there and we really focused on you know what's working what's not working and as far as where we are now he's been home he left his full-time job in May so when that happened it was a, a completely different ball game. Him being home and being able to devote all of his time, we quickly realized that we needed very clear definitions of who, do, who does what in our business. And I think that that communication and those clear boundaries have really helped us. As far as, you know, batching and stuff like that, we don't batch anything. We tried and it just doesn't, churning out like five recipes in a day doesn't work for us. So what what we figured out, and this is, you you know, what is important to realize is that what works for us may not work for other people. Some people like to get everything done in one day. Like I want to do all my recipes in one day and then I want to, you know, write everything on the next day and I want to edit everything on one day. And what we found is that it works better if we do one thing on that day. So like one video or one recipe, and then finish that until it's completed. So shoot the video, edit the video, shoot any photos and edit the photos, write the post. And and we have you know who's doing what is very defined. Like I'm writing, he's doing the editing. We're discussing the ideas together and stuff like that. But like having those defined boundaries of who do who does what really helps.
0: Mm. Cause, because uh, that's the thing I was going to ask you. I wanted to know next is how do you guys, I know that there's no such thing. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> some illusion for work-life balance, especially when you work with your spouse. I, I, I don't really feel like there is really such a, a thing uh, or if there is, you have to constantly be aware of it and constantly work on it. So what does that look like for you guys as far as separating it? Is it one of those things where you go out on a date and you're still talking about work because work is always on your mind? Or are you able to kind of shut it off a little bit once, you got, you know, or you're like, have like a mutual understanding to kind of shut it off.
1: Ooh, that's a hard. <laughs> that one is hard. I think. I, oh. I think being creative, you know, it, it's a different mindset than people who just go to work for a nine to five from somebody else. It is hard to shut that off, especially when you do something like recipes, because even when you go out on a date to a restaurant, you're like, Mm, I could make this better, or like, oh, this gives me an idea. Let's you know, you know, we're sitting there talking like, okay, you know, we ordered mac and cheese, like, oh, like, I bet you we could add this to the mac and cheese, or I like the way they did this, and so it's like it never ends. so that part is hard, and for a while, you know, when he was still working a full time job, it was you know wait till the kids go to bed, and then that's when we can work. And so there wasn't a ton of necessarily work-life balance because, you know, it was parenting stuff during the day, and then it was, okay, now we got to work. And so there wasn't a lot of, okay, well, where's our free time? So now that he's home, we worked to make sure that we're taking that. So we don't work on the weekends. Even though we do work on the weekends,
0: I know what you mean when you say that because I say I don't work on the weekends either, and I definitely work on the weekends. But it's not a structured work, so I get what you mean.
1: Yeah, like we're not shoot, so we're not shooting on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And so you know, we decided that you know I might check my emails. I try not to. I might check in an Instagram. I try not to, but it just, it happens naturally. Like you're like, I I don't, it's not like, and it's not like FOMO. It's not like fear of missing out on something. It's just that like, you're so passionate about wanting this thing to succeed and wanting this thing to grow that it's hard to make that time to separate those two things. But I think that for us, since he's been home and we've more clearly defined what our goals are and what our boundaries can be is that like, okay, so this time is the kid's time, like nothing, like phones away, computers away, nothing comes in between that. And then very clear defined hours of when we are working and we're lucky, right? Like we don't have young kids anymore. They are six and almost nine now. And so they are perfectly fine entertaining themselves for an hour or two while we're like, okay, we need to shoot this recipe really quick. Like let us shoot it. And you go, you know, watch a show or play with your dolls or something like that. So that does help. I completely understand people, you know, who have very younger kids. When I had my other site and I used to do live cooking videos, I, I they're still up on the internet, but like I had my kid and a baby carrier on my back and that's how I did live shows. Like I completely get the struggle of trying to balance everything. But I think where we are now is that we hustled. For a year and a half to get this site where we wanted it to be so he could leave his job. That was the goal at the time. And then now we're able to clearly define what those times are like. This is family time. This is work time. And we try not to have them overlap anymore.
0: Hmm, That's important. I love that. It's Monique hopping in to thank Ana Luisa for sponsoring today's episode of the podcast so if you're not familiar, and you should be familiar, <laughs> Anna Luisa makes simple and affordable jewelry pieces that never skimp on the style. They offer earrings, necklaces, rings, and bracelets for any occasion. I recently wore their Una bracelet to a wedding and it, and it was just so beautiful and simple. It complemented my dress. And even though I wore it to a wedding, I feel like I can get away with wearing it every day. And I feel like that is the overall aesthetics of the brand. They just beautiful, simple pieces truly for any occasion. So Ana Luisa's jewelry is made clean, it's low impact, and they use as many recycled materials as they can. They also use that same philosophy with their packaging. They only send you the essentials and their shipping mailer is made of 100% recycled paper. I have to say that my favorite thing about Ana Luisa though is that I never have to worry about using conflict diamonds. They use 100% sustainable lab grown diamonds. So of course, all of their diamonds are traceable. They're peaceful and they're earth friendly. With jewelry prices that only start at $39 and a new collection released every Friday, there's no better time than now to add some Ana Luisa pieces to your collection. As a listener to this show, you will receive a discount. All you have to do is go to shop.analuisa.com slash brownvegan. Ana Luisa is spelled A-N-A-N-A. L-U-I-S-A. Once you go to the website, all you have to do is put in brown vegan in the discount code to save 10%. Once again, that is shop.analuisa.com slash brown vegan, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. And I'll also make sure that I put a link on the blog post for you to make it easy for you to click through. So yes, make sure that you let me know what you think once you make your purchase. So what about like the, your process as far as recipe writing? Because I know that you focus on the savory and Andrew focuses on the sweet. Are you usually, like you said, you get inspiration from when you go out to eat and things like that, things you see online. And then are you constantly testing it? Like, what does that even look like for you guys?
1: Some things work out on the first time, very rarely.
0: I love when that happens though. Yeah, you're right, it doesn't really
1: happen. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we we haven't done it You know, it's not like every time that, you know, a recipe fails that we're posting it, but we have posted to like our Instagram stories, like these cookies fell completely flat and they're all basically one cookie now. Or, you know, one time we had posted, and it's usually me laughing hysterically because it's something that Andrew's done. And like I posted one one time where he completely set the oven on fire and burnt bread. (laughs) Like set it on fire where we had to have someone come out and fix the oven. Oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so, so there's definitely recipe testing that happens. It's nice when those recipes work out the first time. But as far as like testing, we usually try to test everything at least twice, even if we do think it works out. Cause you know, you try something and you're like, oh, this needed more, you know, garlic powder. This needed more, you know, ketchup in it. If it's like sloppy joes or something like I'm making sloppy joes, which is why that's on my top of my head. Today. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so we usually test it at least twice things like cookies, cakes. Stuff like that usually get tested three times. But there's been times where we've tested, I remember the very first cinnamon roll recipe we ever made. We tested it six times and it just was not coming out how we wanted to. Those are tough because you're like, I'm never gonna get this right. I'm so frustrated. And sometimes I think what's important as a creative is that like there has to be times where you also walk away from a recipe. Like, mm-hmm. write down all your notes, like this worked, this didn't work, this is what I think I should do next time, and just walk away from it. And come back in, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, depending on your schedule and be like, okay, let's try this again. Cause sometimes you just get into your head, right? Like you start telling yourself, like, I'll never figure this out or I'll never perfect this recipe. And, you know, it's frustrating. So sometimes you just have to come back to it. But as far as inspiration, you know, one, yes, going out to eat, looking at magazines, being inspired by other people, that is all like definitely there. But also at the same time, because we had another site and because we've been creating recipes for, I mean, my kid is almost nine. So, you know, we started creating recipes way back. So we still have like an arsenal of ideas, but then it's also like take the cinnamon rolls, for instance. Like we created a regular cinnamon roll and then we've gone on to create, I think we're up to like 25 different flavors of cinnamon rolls now. So, like that, that also, is a way to, you know, be creative but at the same time using what you already have. We know how to make cinnamon roll dough now, right? But what you mm-hmm. put into it now makes it unique or makes it different. So, also like using that creativity helps us a lot. Very like very subtle changes to certain recipes spread out over time, people are like, "Oh, wow, like that's really amazing," but like they don't realize that on the creative side, like we're just recreating the wheel, right? Like we've mm-hmm. already done this, and then also I think that it helps being vegan because there's so many things that we want to veganize. Yes, that right. It <laughs> you makes, never run out, <laughs> right? It, I think it may, for you know comparing vegan food creators to just other food creators that aren't vegan, I think that it makes it, when you niche down into something, whether it's veganism or gluten-free or keto or anything like that, it makes it slightly easier. Like, yes, recipe testing is harder because either nobody's ever done it before or you're trying to figure out this new way, like, how do I use aquafaba instead of eggs, right? But I think that it also makes it easier because the ideas allow it to be more readily available for ideas, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like I know if I want to create a mac and cheese stuffed burger because I saw a restaurant create one, like I I know how to like veganize that, right? Like off the top, Mm -hmm. I've already had mac and cheese. I know what meat I want to use for like vegan meat. And it's like, it's everything. Like you see something and you're like, I can do that. I can make that vegan and I can, you know, people are going to want that. I think. A lot of times it happens when you see like restaurants come out with things that are obviously not vegan or like, I know one time like Taco Bell, like took away Mexican pizzas. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll just create a Mexican pizza for people to have, right? You know what I mean? Like right. it, it's being able to have that available and, you know, saying like, okay, well, what was my favorite foods before I went vegan? let's just recreate all of them. Yeah. And when you start to think about like okay, what were my family recipes growing up and what was my favorite food in college or what was my favorite food as a teenager at my best friend's house that her parents always made. You know like so when you think about those things and you're like okay, I'm just going to veganize it. Like it that makes the creative process of how we make recipes a lot easier.
0: Love it. I agree with all of this. Yes. So, you know what I want to talk about? Kind of go back to what you were saying about the fact that you guys have been cre- creating for a long time. I love the fact that you mentioned that you, because you've been doing this, that's why Make It Dairy Free, you know, that's why I was explosive because you did all of the work building on your other site. So, you kind of had a lot of your trial and errors on that end, and no one probably saw the fact that you grew to that. And I think it's important to mention that because a lot of times people think that it's overnight success. And I know you guys. Recently received your platform, YouTube, for having 100,000 subscribers. Congratulations on that. You. You're welcome. You're like at 130 now, girl. <laughs> oh my God. Damn. When I, looked <laughs> up, I was like, whoa, I actually looked this morning and I was like, yo, you guys are really killing it over there. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that this was a long road and it didn't happen overnight as far as you and Andrew being able to build your brand and your business together. So thank you for that. Because I mean, people really need to see that. It's so easy, especially with social media and beautiful pictures to think that everything is all together. And a lot of times people have no idea what's going on to get to where you want to be. And it sounds like a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into this for sure. So yes. yeah. <laughs> tell me about the studio because I didn't know until a few months ago that you guys had a separate studio. I think I saw that on stories. I don't know. I just thought it was your kitchen, which I thought it was a bomb kitchen. I was like, that's a nice kitchen. <laughs> so is it a bedroom? Cause you said it was near your kid's room. So it's another bedroom or is it a converted sp- space? Like, How did you do that?
1: Yeah. So, so when we had the, when I had the other site, so this is, I guess, going back to the whole blood, sweat and tears thing. Like I said, like I had the other site. I was, I like to create recipes on that site, but I will be the first to admit that my photos were not that good. And at one point, Andrew saw that there was potential. And so Andrew is very creative. He has a degree in visual arts. So he is the more visually creative person. And so he was like, I love you, but these photos are not good. (laughs) And so that kind of brought him on. And so we had bought new equipment for him to be like, okay, like, let me help you with this and we'll go from there. And so we were shooting in our actual kitchen for a while. And then we were like, we don't like this. And so we had a room that was supposed to be a, a guest bedroom in our house for a long time. And we had literally, like, there was a shelf that had, like, all of our props and then our lights And then we literally had, like, a a backdrop that sat on the floor. (laughs) And we would just shoot all the photos on there. And then when we got to the point with this site where we're like, I think this could actually be something. We're like, we need something that is clearly defined. As a studio that looks good, especially for, you know, those, those videos. If you go back to like our very beginning YouTube videos, you can see our actual kitchen because the studio wasn't created at that point, but we wanted something that could one always be there because trying to set up and tear down stuff with kids running around and Mm -hmm. having lights that you're moving back and forth to different rooms or staying in your kitchen when you have guests over, like is it's not cute or pretty. So we wanted that space. So what we did, our girls have always been in the same bed, like shared a room. So we always had an extra room available and it was supposed to be a guest room. But sorry, anybody that wants to come visit is not a guest room. We turned it into a complete studio. We went to Ikea. We bought cabinets. We put them together. We created this backdrop that everyone believes is our actual kitchen. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And yeah. and so that's kind of how that came about. We just wanted something that was always constant that we could, you know, turn on our light and be like, OK, it's set up. It's ready to go.
0: Yeah, because so. when you take some of that stress away, it just is easier to produce, you know, to get the mm-hmm. content out. So I love that. Yeah. What do you think? Because you guys, I don't even know. How long have you guys been
1: on YouTube? So we started we started all of our socials the same day that we launched the channel. So in October, it will be three years, October 1st.
0: Okay. So do you have any tips on what you think people should do if they want to start a vegan channel? And the reason I say this is because I want to know this is because a lot of people say to me, they're like, I feel like it's oversaturated. There are a lot of vegan channels. I don't feel like I can contribute anything new. And I feel like you guys are doing a really good job, especially with doing the review of all of the vegan fun products that are out, doing like taste testing and easy recipes and fun recipes, and then the more labor-intensive recipes as well. So do you like have any tips on, I guess maybe some tips or maybe encouragement for people who are thinking about doing a vegan YouTube channel because I I feel like we don't have enough even though everybody always says we do I don't <laughs> think there's enough out there
1: I <laughs> don't <laughs> So so my number one tip is get out of your own head. You you can't worry about one what other people are doing or that your voice isn't important in this space. I always go back to whenever <laughs> whenever I'm asked this question I always go back to the fact that if you walk into any grocery store, and you walk down the bread aisle, there are at least 20 different types of bread. Now, they might not all be vegan, but that's not the point. The point is, is that when you see all of those different companies, it's that like Sarah Lee didn't worry about what Nature Own was creating, right? Mm -hmm. They said, I have a better bread, or I like the way mine tastes, and we're going to push it out to this market and and they have and they're both on the shelf and they're both accessible and people choose one or the other or sometimes they might choose both and that's perfectly fine. So you can't you can't worry about, you know, it's oversaturated or there's not space for me because you are unique in who you are. You have a voice that is different from everybody else's that somebody else might resonate with. I'm sure some people hate me or hate Andrew and hate us together but we're not for them. Right. You know, somebody, right. somebody else might be for them, whether it's, you know, so vegan or sweet, simple vegan, like if they want another couple, like there, there are other vegan couples in this space that, you know, are, are doing similar things or, you know, that just might be better for them. So that's my number one tip. Just get out of your head. You can do this in their space for you. As far as what's working. I, I feel like it's said so many times, but it is literally the best advice is that you have to be consistent. And this isn't just for YouTube, right? This is for your website. This is for Instagram or TikTok or wherever you are. If you can't be consistent, then you're not going to grow as quickly. And and I would say as quickly because I don't think that there's, I, I still think you can grow. I just don't think that, you're going to grow as fast as maybe you would like to, or that you could see if you were consistent with whatever you're doing. So if that means that you can only post one video a month, and that's on the 15th of the month, then that's what you do. But you consistently do it, right? Like there's no Mm -hmm. like, you know, September 15th comes and you're like, ah, you know, I, I couldn't get another video up. If you can't get one video off a month, then you probably shouldn't be trying to do this space. But, you know, it's the same thing. Like if you can post one, if you know in your head, like, okay, I can do one video a week. I can't do more than that, but I can carve out, you know, three to six hours, however long it takes you to create a video and I can create one video a week. And that video goes up on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time forever. And then, and that's what we did for a long time, right? We posted one video and it went up at the same exact time every single week at the exact same time. So I don't remember what day or time it was, but it was like Thursdays at 4 p.m. That's when the video went up. And so that trains the algorithm to say like, okay, we're going to get a new video from this person on this day at this time. And so that's when we'll start to push out their stuff. So being consistent can, it it just helps you grow so much faster. And then when you can add more and be consistent about it, don't say like, oh, I'm going to add one more video and then post a video two weeks in a row, like two videos, two weeks in a row, and then just never do it again because it's just Mm going to hurt you. But if you can move up more, so when we went from one video to two videos a week, we grew much faster. But again, we were being very consistent about it. And we had an arsenal of, of videos ahead of time. Like we didn't go into two videos saying like, okay, like we're going to have to just add all this extra time into our week. No, we, we had a built up stash of videos before we
0: actually got on that schedule.
1: People think that, you know, like, well, I created five videos. I need to post all five of them. So people see me more. And it's like, no, that's actually not the case. Like just consistently drip it out instead of like all at once because then they get five videos at once and then you don't post again for five months and they're like yes oh sorry
0: no I do that all the time and, so and- look what is your alarm going off about because mine is always going off telling me to eat or go drink water and stuff like that what is yours saying if you could tell us
1: <laughs> it's actually telling me that that my older daughter has dance class <laughs> oh,
0: so we got to get off okay so we'll, be, we'll no, wrap no, it no, up real fine.
1: soon Okay. (laughs) I know. It's like, even, even though, you know,
0: like when we started recording and 30 minutes before you said, well, where are you? Like, where's the link so that I could do this? I have to set an alarm. I set an alarm and I still was like, oh, let me snooze it for a few minutes. And then I I still didn't do what I was supposed to do. So I understand why you have to set an alarm for an alarm for everything because these days you (laughs) will forget stuff. So I get it. So out of all of the plat, wait, did you have anything else to say about that? Did you want to add anything else about the YouTube?
1: No, I think, I think, honestly, I think that if you're consistent, that you will, you will grow and, and that you're your own. Don't try to be anybody else that I guess that would be my other tip. Like, don't try to, you know, do something that somebody else is doing in the way that they're doing it. Like, obviously everybody, we're in a creative space, right? Like, we're all going to have similar ideas. We're all going to like, be like, oh, I like what they're doing. Let me try that. Or, you know, but like make it your own in some type of way. Like, don't just like copyjack. Everything everybody else is doing because that that's yeah, obvious
0: work. when you do that too. Very yeah. obvious and nobody's care- no nobody one cares when you do that. They're not <laughs> interested in your content for They're sure. Like, and next, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to ask you though, because there's so much noise these days. I mean, we can be YouTube, blogging, Instagram, TikTok, just Twitter everywhere. Out of all of the platforms, which one do you feel the most at home? Which one do you love the most?
1: Oh man, that's hard. Not TikTok. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, TikTok does not like, they finally showed us a little bit of love over last weekend. But other than that, I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm too old for this at this point, which I know I'm not, but I'm just like, ah, I do not like this at all. But as far as your question, I, I think it's hard. I think Instagram is the most natural for me to enjoy because like, I like, you know, the stories and I like the engagement that you get over there. But I can't help but just say that I think YouTube is just my my love right now and and I think that's because it's it's so interesting to see something grow in in a very organic way. I think a lot of people assume that, you know, you need to buy followers or you need to buy likes, nobody can grow organically anymore and it's just not the case. And so I think that because our videos live there and most of our videos are us showing our personality. The fact that people have embraced us for who we are, like just really makes me smile.
0: Yes. That's refreshing. I love that. I love it. So because of course you and Andrew are running your business together and he's been home, you said since about what, April of this, is it been from this year or last year?
1: This year. So May, May 1st was his first day. Okay, so how does that
0: look as a family? Because there's one thing I know that when I first started my business, my children were young, a lot younger, and I was married. And so, because I had my husband's full, my ex husband's income, it didn't really. I didn't have the pressure of making sure that I was being able to pay like the mortgage and things like that, which I know can be a difference, you know, a level of stress if it's you know you doing it as a team with you and your husband. So I wanted to know like, what what streams of income are you guys mainly? focusing on to make sure that you not only bring in the money that you need to pay your bills, but also, you know, build for your future as well. Like what would get, what, what are you doing for that?
1: That is such a good question because before he came home, before he, you know, put his two weeks notice in and his full-time job, we were like, are we sure about this? Like, are mm-hmm. are we really about to do this? And then even like the first day we're like, are you sure you don't want to go back? Like it's scary, right? Like it's scary to take a leap of faith and, and not only trust yourself, but trust the process because in this space, there's a lot of times where money flows really easily, especially, you know, times like, you know, the fourth quarter and stuff like that, where, you know, everybody wants to hire you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we're a recipe site, so everybody's looking for a recipe. So, you know, it's it's much easier to have money then. But then there's other months like February where you're like, uh, I'm not so sure about this. So I, I think what I, I think the first thing before if anybody is listening to this and saying like, okay, I wanna bring my spouse home or I wanna leave my full-time job, is the most important thing that we did is we made sure that we had six to nine months of savings that you know, we won't struggle if we don't make another penny for six to nine months, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's a safety net and having that has allowed us to take a little bit more risk and, you know, create things the way we want to without like feeling stressed that we don't know if we're making the right decision anymore. So I think that, so our two main sources of income are our YouTube ads and our website ads. And I think that it might come as a shock to some people that we don't like to do sponsorships. And it's not that we don't like to, but I feel like sometimes people take on too much and they undervalue themselves because they're just trying to make money, which I completely understand. We were, when I had the other site, like I was completely there, like, you know, I wanted to stash away money or I wanted to feel like I was contributing to, you know, our income and stuff like that. And so I would take these gigs for, you know, $200 or $300. And at the time I was like, wow, look, look how much money I'm making. This is, this is so cool. I I made money writing a blog post. Right. And, And I think that if you're in the position where, you know, that is a lot of money to you, because I also realized that for a lot of people that that is a lot of money, then take it. Right. Like if that's important to you, then take it. But I think that you have to get to a point at some time where you realize that, you know, when you break those numbers down, where okay, it takes me six hours to go to the grocery store and create the recipe and maybe test the recipe two or three more times. And I've spent the money on the ingredients and now I have to edit it. So that takes more time. And then I have to post it. And then I have to make sure that if people engage with the post that I'm engaging back with them. Like when you break that down, that $200 is now, you know, 8 nine, ten $9, $10 an hour sometimes. And mm-hmm. is that worth your time? So I think you have to ask yourself that like, or am I worth more? And so we have got to a point where one sponsorships have to be so on brand with what we're doing. I'm not just going to like, take something like somebody's like, Hey, do you want to talk about this diet pill? No, because I don't want to promote that culture and we don't take anything like that. So Mm -hmm. like, it's not a good fit for us, but also we have to value our time. Like how much do we think we're worth? We have the audience, right? Whether, you know, you have 5,000 followers or you have 120,000 followers, like we have the audience. We know that the quality of what we're putting out is good, is great. There's nobody going to be like nitpicking our photos. That's a sponsor, right? I know that the way we write can grab people's attention, so it draws them in. The only thing I can't really control is the fact that the algorithm, whenever you hit add insa- inside of something, like it doesn't want to show anybody. But yes, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I well, can't. Well, it's constant that. battle with that. <laughs> right, but The things that I can control, I know are worth money. And I know, I know from being in this business for so long, I mean, we're going, this has been a decade for me now at this point. So I, I know going into it, I know how much brands have, especially bigger brands. And if they're telling you they don't have money, it's because they don't have money for you. But I think that that's an important lesson. If they're telling you they don't have the budget and you're saying, especially if you say my rate is a thousand dollars for this video and this post, and they're saying, well, I have $250 off you. That's a quarter, right? Mm. Like they Mm. don't value you. So if they don't value you at the price that you're offering, then they're not going to value you through the process. They're going to push back. They're going to want changes. They're not going to allow you to be creative. They're going to want all of these random things added into your words or your posts that now it's not doing well because people are reading this and like, why does this sound like an ad off of the TV where they're going over all the the side effects you might have instead of sounding like the person that I see every single day? Mm -hmm. So I think for us sponsorships are a part of our ad in, or part of our income stream, but it's not a big part. And I think that it doesn't have to be a big part of what we're pursuing because when we do get them, the people that are working with us value what we do and the people that don't value what we do, we walk from. So, and, and it's hard, right? Like I said, like I used to take those two $300 campaigns and. I and I was happy about it, but as, as we grew and as we knew that you know we were worth more, the value has to go up. And and for when we started this site, we went into this site saying we're not going to take anything less than this amount. And at the time when you only had three or four hundred dollars, or not dollar three or four hundred subscribers, and you're telling people that this is your rate, people are like, you don't even have the audience. It doesn't matter. Like my I have night- the impact. Right. My, yes, my <laughs> creativity is worth this price. And I also know that my ability to write a post with good SEO value can make the th- make this worth more over time. You might not see the value of it right this second, right this week, the day it gets posted, but over time I can guarantee you that my post will outperform others over time. So, mm-hmm. you have to take all of these things into consideration for what you're worth. So, it's there the sponsorships are there and we're willing to take them if it makes sense but for the most part we rely on the ad income how can we and and a lot of that like i can create a video every single day right i can write mm-hmm. a new post every single day i can control that ad income what i can't control is is somebody going to pitch me in my inbox something that isn't great for me or is somebody Not going to value me and sponsorship. I think a lot of people don't talk about how hard they are. There's you know 90 emails back and forth with this brand and you know negotiating contracts, and that that takes way more time than just putting up another video and getting another couple hundred dollars from the video ads, right? Like, yes, I'm going to focus on the things that I can control and. There are there are ideas for other ad, like revenue streams, like eBooks and podcasts and stuff like that. But as of this point, we're only focusing on those. Yeah,
0: I love this. Oh my gosh, like just understanding your worth. And the beauty too is that when you do work with brands, like you said, they'll respect your creativity and they'll pay you way more so you don't have to do as many ads. Like sometimes I feel bad when I see people and they're doing like so many ads. I'm like, I, I know they're... I just be like, oh my God, I don't even have to know the person. If I see ad, I'm swiping up, I'm liking, I'm doing a comment, I'm doing something because <laughs> I know behind the scenes what that looks like. And it yes. is a lot of work. And most of the time, and I've talked about this on this podcast, it's not even like you, It doesn't feel like it's worth it to me unless it is worth it to me, if that makes sense, because I'm just like, I'm not doing all of that for two hundred dollars. And it's like you said, some people want to do that. And that's fine. It just depends on where you are in the space. And the beauty of your situation as well is because you planned ahead, you don't have to operate out of desperation. And sometimes, I mean, it's like a scary feeling. I know from my, my own life that it could be a very scary feeling to operate out of desperation. So knowing your worth is just super, super important so i'm so glad you shared that yes so before we wrap up okay so initially <laughs> i wanted to i wanted you to share like vegan tips right but because you became a vegan for budget reasons. I'm like, oh, that's a better question. Okay. Like I need to know, (laughs) I need you to share some of those tips with the listeners before we wrap up. Like, what do you suggest? If you can be a few tips on like how to, you know, start a vegan journey on a budget, because uh, like you said, there's so much pushback because people are like, oh no, I can't do that. It's too expensive.
1: Right. So first I think you need a budget, right? Like you have to what is what is that budget for you? For us at the time before we went vegan, we had a hundred dollar budget for the four of us. And a lot of people, whether vegan or not vegan, they're like, How are you living off a hundred dollars a week? And I was like, Cause I can create meals with very little. If I needed it to go down that week because we had something pop up, you know, we, we own our house. So, you know, the refrigerator breaks or something. Mm-hmm. Like things happen all the time, especially being adults. And I, I feel like, you know, we weren't prepared to be adults as much as we thought we were <laughs> prepared for. We're like, I want to be a grown up. And you're like, no, actually, I don't want to be a grown up. Take me Right. So I, I think for us, having, so first you have to start with what is your budget? So, even for the most part today, that our budget is still around hundred, under $150 a week. And I know even that seems crazy to some people. We still try to stay around $100. And that doesn't include people are always like, but how are you creating all these recipes? That's because th- the blog has a different budget. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's important. You have to distinguish your business from your personal life. So, for us, you know, especially in the very beginning days where, you know, we weren't sure like, what are the easy meals that you can create being vegan and stuff like that? Beans and rice are, should always be on your grocery list because they are some of the cheapest yet most versatile things that you can create, whether it's black beans or chickpeas, or, you know, you're making a three bean chili or something like that. Like you can get super creative by putting those things on your list. I also think that you, you need to balance your grocery list with processed vegan ingredients versus non-processed vegan ingredients. A bag of day of cheese costs $5 here. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's like the standard everywhere, but like I know here it is. So if I'm making mac and cheese and I need a whole bag of, of, you know, vegan cheese, that's $5. Like that meal has already gone up double what a meal with like rice and beans costs. Right. So mm-hmm. taking, balancing your meals throughout the week, so we meal plan a lot. Like this is what we're having Monday. This is what we're having Tuesday, Wednesday, even now. And I think as, as created, as business owners, that also helps because then it's not like, oh, let me run out and get fast food, right? I think if you know what you're having and you can create what you're having based on that list, that it also helps your, you stay in budget because then you're not running out. But for us, so we'll balance a meal that maybe we use a package of Gardein and a package of, Day of cheese with a meal that doesn't cost so much. So, you know, Monday's meal might be tacos with like lentils and tomatoes and stuff. And that meal only cost like $3, right? Whereas, you know, the meal with the mac and cheese and vegan chicken costs, you know, more like $10. So those balance out to be much cheaper when you balance them together versus, you know, an expensive meal every single night of the week. If that makes Mm -hmm.
0: sense. It does make sense. Before we wrap up, tell us where we can follow you on social media, wherever you want to send us. Let us know where we should go and we'll go from there.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. I went into this being very nervous. I told you to
0: have a reason to be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So thank you again for having me. As far as where people, we are literally at Make It Dairy Free on every single social media platform or at, or not at, but makeitdairyfree.com is our website where you can find all of our recipes.
0: Yes. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. I know I feel like I've gotten so many like life lessons. We got food lessons in this episode. We have life lessons, entrepreneurship lessons. And I'll just really look forward to seeing you guys continue to grow and really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
0: Thanks again to Anna Luisa for sponsoring today's show. Don't forget to go to their website to treat yourself and your loved ones to some jewelry pieces. All you need to do is go to shop.analuisa.com slash brownvegan and use the discount code brownvegan to save 10%. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. All of the show notes will be at brownvegan.com. So check those out. Also, let me know what you thought of this episode. Come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is at brownvegan. Have a great day and I will talk to you next week.